Mark 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. Do you wonder if you can make a difference in this world, in others' lives, or if what you do really matters? Can God really use you? Do you wonder? I think a lot of us, including myself, have fallen back into the Popeye theology we talked about a few weeks ago. Popeye theology says, I am what I am and that's all I'll ever be. And maybe you've come across that where you've seen other people who have come closer to God and maybe come to church a few times. You say, oh, but a leopard can't change their spots. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And you keep saying they are what they are. And yet, when we look at ourselves, we say, I am what I am and I can't do what God asked me to do because I'm not what God seems to think I am. God has a mistake there. So we limit ourselves and we limit others by thinking we are what we are and God can't use us or change us. But I've got to promise you two things this morning if you don't know them. Number one, God can change a life. Turn it around completely. Number two, God can use anybody to change this world. Anybody. It's interesting how Popeye theology works when we think about what God wants us to do. Sometimes we say when God gives us a task or a calling, we say, oh, I, could never, I can't do that. God, you, you must have the wrong person. But I promise you, God does not call you by mistake. He's not confused. When God calls us as a church to ministry, to love one another, to reach out, to go beyond the walls as a church, to the community and the region around us, it almost seems like, well, how do we do that? We don't know how to do that, and therefore we can't or we shouldn't, or maybe we just don't know how. We'll just kind of wait for someone to tell us. And if that's you, and you're kind of wondering about what is it that God wants us to do or what God wants you to do, maybe today you'll have your answers. I know I have mine. 
This process started for me when I was asked to go to licensing school and read several books ahead of time, which for some reason we never referred to a single one. But I read the first one and it asked three questions I posed to the board last month. And those three questions I have for you this morning. And I think you need to answer these for yourself. The first one is, why Jesus? Why is He relevant for you? Why is He relevant or is He? Why would someone need Jesus today in this crazy world? All the people, they ask that question. Why do we need Jesus? What's it all about? You have to answer that question. Why is Jesus so important? And then the next question is, why church? Why is church relevant to you? Or is it? Or why isn't it? And wrestle with that. And then once you answer that question, we're just talking about church in general, why this particular church? Why here? And for a long time, I had the struggle with the why here questions at every church I'd ever been at. Because there's always another church, latest and greatest, bigger and better, bolder, more opportunity and things like that. But I learned something. And I think maybe you're starting to get the picture here that there is no other church like this one. I promise you that. And there are some things here that God uses and blesses people with. And we're beginning to see folks who come in and say, this isn't like any other church I've been to. Other churches, they, they shun me, cast me out. I don't feel judged, I feel welcome. And that's what we do here. We love people well. And we continue to do that. And the people who come in, then start loving others the way they've been loved. So why this church? Because of that. Because this is not just one uh, shall we say physically blood related family, but we're a family of people working together for a common goal and blessing others as well as ourselves through the process getting blessed. And that's a good thing. That's a real good thing. And I get excited about things like that and I hope you do too. Because it means this church is making a difference. It's changing lives in front of us. It's not something, well, one day we will or one day we did. It's right now. It's happening here and now. And I'm excited about that. Last Sunday night was fantastic. Lots of people were fed, had a great time, and, and were just blessed all around. And it was so good to see people working together. <laughs> I've been in churches before where you'd be lucky to get people in the same room, let alone work together. And they didn't worry about outside people. They had a problem with the inside people. You know what I mean? And that was the kind of church I've been in before, but this church isn't like that. And so I'm going to tell you, this particular church is very unique. I promise you there's no church very close by that's like this church. I'm not going to go looking to find out. And I don't suggest you do. But I will tell you this. You found it here. And those are important questions. And so I had to wrestle with why Jesus, why church, and why this church. And I've got my answers. And I invite you to wrestle with those questions as well. But once I answered those questions, they got a little bit more personal. Maybe you're asking these questions. Who can God use? 
How about you? My question was who? Me? <laughs> me? Who? You're talking to me? You really want me to lead your people? You want me to do that? God, I don't even know where to go with them. Who? Me? Why me? And you're asking those questions. Why would God want to use me? Why can't you use somebody else? I don't know how to do this. I'm not qualified. There's other people who've been there before. Let them use them. Why me? God, why are you asking me to do something? The third question I began to ask myself is, how me? How can God use me? What, what, what exactly does He want me to do? And for what purpose? These questions I'm throwing out there for you to ask yourself as well. How me? And then the most important question, why not me? Why not you? Those questions, if you say, why not me, and you come up with this answer, because I'm worthless, pointless, and don't really care about stuff, you're in the right place to get welcomed and loved and healed back to normal so you can feel good again. So you can feel alive. So you can feel, why not me? And the question isn't a, a condemning question, it's an uplifting question. Why not me? Why not you? Why not us? Why not this church? to bring about healing and restoration to our community. God can use anybody. Anybody can be a blessing to somebody else. Another question I asked, and a lot of people said, what difference can one person make? I saw that starfish video and I said, well, that one person can make a difference in one starfish's life. We're not talking about wide sweeping. We're talking about doing something for God, doing something to bless others and love on them, and making a difference where you are, you have to start somewhere. And God said, if you're faithful in a little, I'll give you more. So you got to start with a little to get the more. So start somewhere with something and someone. God can use anybody. And I thought, you know, they used to talk about how one man changed the world and they always mentioned Jesus, right? One solitary man. But I've got to tell you some other people who changed the world in negative ways. How about Hitler? One man changed the world, didn't he? Alexander the Great. Napoleon. How about the Apostle Paul? How about Martin Luther with the Reformation ushered in on the 95 Thesis which just happened, by the way, a week ago in the 1400s. I believe it's 1492 when the Reformation started. I'm not correct on that date. I'm doing it off the top of my head. Don't someone fact check me, okay? But I will tell you this. It was uh, last week, that many years ago. And, and he made a difference. Billy Graham. Billy Sunday. Keith Green. I'm naming one person. And we're thinking, oh, I can't do much. These are one people. And they changed the world around them. And they made differences when they were just one person. And the world was completely changed in the areas where they served. I promise you, you don't have enough of you to go around to get all 8 billion people, but you can at least get one. 
And start with one and bless them in some way. You see, I believe this. In the story of the starfish, we saw this boy throwing the starfish back into the ocean. You saw another man walk up who was not throwing a starfish into the ocean. And the only thing he was throwing out into humanity was his desire to look at the beauty of the earth and not give back. And to wonder why someone would even try in such an overwhelming task. But I promise you, we each throw something out into humanity. We each give something to people every day. We're all either throwing starfish back into the water or we're throwing out more of the same that they're used to instead of a difference maker. And you see, a difference maker doesn't have to have any quality but willing. Willingness. So, what are you throwing into the ocean of humanity? Are you throwing hope? What's your starfish? What's going to get you motivated? What do you have passion for? In our text today, we have this blind man named Bartimaeus. Bar means son of, and Timaeus. He's the son of Timaeus. We don't really know his name. He's the son of somebody. But he's on the side of the road as they're outside of Jericho and Jesus and the disciples and the multitude are leaving and he hears that Jesus is passing by. And so he begins to call out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, we wouldn't understand that phrase real well because we're not from that culture and time. But when he says, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, he's appealing to the fact that Jesus is the Son of David, a person of God, and since he's being called out to, he has a responsibility to pay attention to who's recognized who he is. But as he's calling out, the people around him are saying, don't bother the man. Don't mess with Jesus. Look at all the people around him. And instead of him going, you're right, I don't matter, he says, I have a vision, a hope, that one day I will see again. That I want to see this change in my lifetime. I want to see it. And so instead of being quiet, it says he shouted out louder, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me! And this time Jesus hears him and he stops the procession. And he says, have him come over. And so the people around him go, oh, look, he's calling your name. Go to him. I don't know if you catch that real well in the story, but he's blind. Oh, he's calling you. Go ahead and go. Go ahead. Go on, go. He's blind. Why isn't anybody helping him? Get up and go. Rise up. Go ahead. He's calling you. Go ahead and do it. You're going to waste his time. You're going to waste ours. You do it. Another reason why Bartimaeus could have said to himself, I don't even know where he is. All I know is where he was, and I don't know if he's still there. He's quiet now. And there's so many people around. I don't even know how to get to him so I can be safe. Why isn't anybody taking him? Why isn't someone reaching out to the blind man who has called upon Jesus and Jesus has to say, let me guide you 
to the source of hope, you guys. How come so many churches see the blind and the broken and don't say, here's a hand. Let me show you the one who can give you hope. How come they don't do that? And how is it that we're starting to get that here? We're starting to understand that call on us. How is it that we're finally understanding that there's a whole lot of people out there and they really, really, really need help from Jesus Christ? And Jesus isn't asking us to give us anything more than the directions and a hand to get there. That's all He's asking us to do. And so this man, all he wants is to get to the feet of Jesus and ask Him to heal him so he can have his sight back. He's blind. He throws off his robe that he's got on his lap where he's begging. And that robe, if you're not unsure about it, was laying across his legs where he lay, and they threw coins onto that robe. What it says when he threw it off, he flings the money as well. Well, he doesn't know it's there or not there unless he's felt it being put on there. And so he throws his robe off and he goes to Jesus. Blind, tapping along. And he gets to Jesus and Jesus asks him the most insane question in the Scripture. What do you want me to do for you? (laughs) What do you want me to do for you? Well, let me ask you that question. What do you want God to do for you? What do you see that God could do for you? if He would just do it. What do you want Him to do in your life? And what do you want God to do through you to the world around you? And what do you want God to do in this church? What do you see God doing that would be wonderful? There would be an answer to prayer in your life. What is it? It's a good question, isn't it? This man says that I, Rabbani, it's a term of affection. Rabbani, or kind teacher. It's the same word that Mary used when she saw Jesus and thought He was the gardener. That I might receive my sight. Now in other healings, Jesus rubs mud on eyes. Some of them He tells them to wash. And and some of them He says, you're healed, now you see. And one time He... Uh, healed the guy halfway and he said, what do you see? And he saw men walking around like trees. And then he then he marched him the second time and then he could see fine. But this guy, Jesus didn't do any of that. And Jesus didn't say you can now see. You have your sight back. What Jesus said is, your faith has made you whole. He doesn't say you're going to get your eyes back. He said you're going to be whole. He's made you well, is what a lot of translations use there. He, your faith has made you complete. It's what you believe in about God that transforms who you are that makes you complete. That changes you when you know that God has this promise over you. And so, in this particular moment, He doesn't say, okay, I can see! Listen to what Jesus says to him in the other Gospel. He says, Your faith has made you well. 
Now go your way. The other gospel recordings of this story, they add that. Now go your way. Now listen, that statement is huge. He's a blind person after all. In his whole life, people have had to lead him. The man doesn't know how to navigate from where Jesus is back to his home because he's never seen it. He's never seen the face of his mother. He's never seen the face of his father. He's never seen a flower. He's felt them. He's smelled them. He's never seen the face of his children if he has any. And he's never seen the face of Jesus before this moment. And why is that important? Because the first time he sees is in the face of Jesus Christ, the one that made him. And he tells him, now you go your way. You don't have to be made to take you one place to the other and be guided. You go your way. And it says, immediately the man receives his sight and he follows Jesus. I have to ask you a very important question this morning. Do you understand that this man was from Jericho? And he's meeting Jesus as he's leaving Jericho to be crucified. The very next thing recorded in the Gospel of Mark is Palm Sunday. Jesus stops on the way to the cross to heal a man. It's worth it to Him. He made a difference in one life, didn't He? And that man follows Jesus on the road and within six days, Jesus is going to be crucified. He's one of those people waving the branches, I'm sure. One of those people whose lives are profoundly changed by Christ. But I think the reason he follows Jesus out of town is because there are other blind people in this world. Other broken people like he was. And I believe if he's made well, that he has hope again. That he got a whole lot more that day than what he bargained for. He asked to be able to see, but he became well spiritually. And he began to follow Jesus Christ that day. All he wanted to do was go back to a life to be normal. And what's he do? He follows Jesus Christ who asks us to be anything but normal in this world. He no longer wants to go and find a job to see his mother's face or his father's face or to see his home or to see all his friends and all the people around him. He wants to follow Jesus. And all he's hoped for his whole life in this moment when he dreams about it is to say, what's my mama look like? And Jesus Christ becomes more important than that to him. And he follows him out of Jericho. What is it that's important to you? What is it you care about so much that you would follow it regardless and forsake all else? 
And Jesus offers more than normal. He left the normal that he longed for, that he ached for, to follow Jesus. Why? I think it's because he thought maybe the other blind folks along the road need a seeing person to get them to the right place. Who knows where the healing is? Who knows where the grace is? And say, I'm going to bring them in because it happened to me. Maybe that's why. But what about you? Are you tired of settling for less than God's best? For God's call on your life? In the bulletin, in, in the insert, there's a blank sheet. One place to put notes, another one a little box. I call it the blank sheet of vision, a vision board. God asking you to do. What do you want God to use you to do? What do you want Him to do through you? Secondly, what do you want Him to do in your church? In this church? What do you want God to do here? What do you see happening that would really bless you and excite you through God is doing? And will you help? You know, I, I, when I came up with this, I thought about that will you help question because that's the most important one. That regardless of what your vision for the church is, that whatever vision God's given us, will you help us? Will you help us reach out? Will you help us be a part of what God's doing here? Will you help us? Are you willing? And what can you do here to make it a better place? And what are you willing to do? Do you have limitations on how much you're willing to spend in your time, talent, and love? And your gifts? See, I have a dream. And it's beginning to happen. A community vision that we love the outcasts, that we love one another. Our drive-in theater last Sunday was filled with people who didn't think they had a church home anywhere, including me. I'm one of us. I'm one of those people. For a long time, I was one of those people. I see vision of God helping us feed others, not just at the pantry, but meals, but also through the food pantry, and to be an active children's ministry again. Where now children are showing up and needing places and people to watch them and care for them. Children of all ages, including adults, but young children especially. And the folks who are coming are excited to be here. I, I couldn't Sunday night we didn't get out of here till late because people were excited about what happened and Wednesday we were talking and dreaming and thinking you don't dream dreams if you don't believe you're a part of something you don't want to build something you're not a part of you don't want to see something great unless you see a vision for how it could be what does God show you that you could do for him what do you want to do for God what do you see your church doing for God dream a little are you excited to be here? I am. 
Are you excited about the direction God's leading us as a church? Will you join us? Or are you going to watch the starfish and say, oh, that's too many? The blank sheet of vision, what do you want God to do through you? What can you do to make this a better place? I'm talking about our world. And what would you do if asked? I'm asking you to join us. Join me. I believe in what we're doing here and I want to see it happen. I want to be a part of the transformation that God's doing here and I'm loving what I'm seeing. I'm in. I'm all in. I am sold out. I got no plan B. This is my plan A. I don't need a plan B. I want what God's doing. I don't need anything else. And I'm asking you to join me. To join us. And let's do something great for God together to start to see what God is doing here through you, through your church, through us. And I'm so excited that we can do it together. Healing began here nearly two years ago. Physical healings. That's not stopped. Had another one here Wednesday night. It's exciting to see what God's doing. It's not just about that. It's because people tell others what God is doing. Are you buying into what God's doing? Are you still going, well, you know, my time, my place, my choice, not God's. There's one person who spoke about commitment and faith to his church. And he talked about it and gave a scripture passage and read it about faithfulness to God and to the church. And the person was offended, got up and walked out. Well, that wasn't me preaching. It was another United Methodist pastor preaching the Bible with authority and conviction. And they got offended because it didn't line up with what they believed. I want to tell you something. Scripture is God's Word to us. It's all true. You can't have part of it be true and reject the rest. It's all true. It's either all true or none of it is. Because God is perfect. Everything God does, He does completely and well. And so, when, when, when He... Watched the person walk out. He didn't know what to say. I had a line for him. I told him later. I said, here's what you should have told the guy. Or female. I don't know what it was. I said, if you're leaving, leave your Bible at the door because you're not using it. Leave it in the church because you're not taking it out there apparently. How far do we get out of Scripture and begin to believe that God can use us? Do we believe in Philippians 4.13? It says what? So most folks can, can quote it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now this verse gets so thrown off of the line that we think it means we can do anything we want because God gives us the strength to do what we want. It does not say that. It says Christ strengthens me to do all things. And the emphasis here is to do all things that God has asked us to do. 
When we say, I can't do that, I'm overwhelmed, I can't have that kind of vision for my life, I can't change the world. Do you know what God is saying? I'm calling you and I will strengthen you when you start being obedient. In the moment you're obedient, God shows up. You can't proof test God and say, well, if you'll start doing this, then I'll start doing that. God says, you start doing that, I'll show up and you will never be embarrassed by what I ask you to do. Never. Take a lesson from Bartimaeus. The boy throwing a starfish back in if you need to. They saw a different world. They could see it. Do you? Do you see a better world because of you being in it? Do you see lives transformed because God asked you to? Why not you? Why not us and why not now? I believe God has called us to such a time as this. As a church and as people. And it doesn't matter if the people around us say it won't work. God doesn't have time for you. He can't use you. Bartimaeus went blind. And he got a whole lot more than he asked for. My question for you remains when I asked you at the beginning. What's your starfish? What are you going to spend your time loving on and caring for that makes a difference for something that can't pay you back? They might not even appreciate it or say thank you. Where's your passion? This is the question God's asking us this morning. And what do you see God doing to us and you? That's what needs to go in that little box in the handout I gave you. The all things through Christ. To dream a little and put it in there. That's for you. Post it somewhere once you know what it is so you'll be reminded. But, if you're in and you're willing to be a part of what we're doing here and you have some ideas on the door, out in the fellowship hall, at least the basement, I put something called a vision board. All it says at the top is vision board. If you know something God did that you want to see happen here, write it on there. You don't have to put your name. And if you're willing to help, put your name. I'm willing to help. Put your name on there. You'll have to borrow a pen. There's not one.